Hello, everybody. It's Nora McInerney. This is an episode of our podcast that is available in its entirety over at TTFA Premium. TTFA Premium is our subscribers only feed where we put bonus content, where we put ad free episodes, where we put some full length guest interviews. It is a way to financially support our show. And if that is something that you are interested in doing and able to do, it is a couple bucks a month and you can sign up at ttfa.org slash premium. That's ttfa.org slash premium. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, Terribles. It is Nora McInerney. This is a episode of TTFA Premium. It is actually a mailbag episode. So I've gone through our inbox, my inbox. Sometimes people email me or send me DMs that they mean for the podcast. That's fine. There's a lot of ways to get in touch. It's okay if you do it imperfectly. Just a little reminder, we are going to be imperfect. Okay, this part of the episode, um, I need a guest for. We got this voicemail um, about our War Stories episode. Hi, team. Um, Happy Wednesday. I wanted to say that like a minute and 45 seconds into War Stories, I was crying and knew that it was going to change my life. And I have just a totally unwarranted question um, that I don't deserve an answer to, but I'm curious because I'm in a similar situation when listening to the difference between Austin and Megan um, talk about your dad and the unreconciled pain that Austin has with that relationship versus what sounds like a little bit of a landing um, that Megan has come to and how to reconcile that when the other person could still be alive, is alive, and isn't part of the relationship enough to make amends or know where you stand with them and if they like you um, and you have to decide, you know, if that matters or mattered. And just the difference, you know, in... in in Austin's voice and Megan's voice when they talk about him and how they feel. How do you get from Austin to Megan from the unreconciled pain to the acceptance? Okay. Thank you guys for everything. Now, I don't know how to answer that question because I am not Megan. And I sent the voicemail to Megan and Austin. And I said, do either of you feel like you could talk about this with me? And Austin said, uh, well, obviously, I haven't made the jump from Austin to Megan yet. <laughs> so on the spectrum so, of uh, what did he say? Awesome to Austin. I'm still at Austin. <laughs> So, so our brother, our sweetest, just our little sweet pea of a brother who thank you to everyone for all of like the amazing feedback to that episode. It was obviously very, very hard to create. I had no expectation that Austin would participate in it. And everybody said such nice things about him and I forwarded them to him and it was really lovely. So thank you. But he cannot answer this question. He's hoping to hear Megan's answer. So maybe he can make the jump from Austin to awesome like Megan. But my sister Megan is here. Hi. Yeah. Okay. So um, I might need to re-listen to that voicemail before we do this. Okay. 
Okay. I have thoughts. Okay. So obviously this person's parent or this person that they're talking about is still alive, which puts you at a disadvantage in some ways. Because <laughs> like, because I think... Yeah, thanks lady. My dad's dead. <laughs> yeah. But in some ways, I think it's almost like a disadvantage to have the person be alive because I think you can get to acceptance with a dead person in ways because you can almost imagine whatever outcome you wanted. You know what I mean? There's not the variable of like how they would react to something because they're dead. But also, Megan, the question that I answered before this was from a woman who was like, I'm 30, I'm getting a tattoo and I know my mom is going to cry. Like, I hate having like her opinions dictate things. And I was like, the only reason I can do things that would disappoint our parents and only one of them is still alive is because of you, is because I do think that there's something that you were born with that the rest of us weren't where you're like, okay, I guess be sad about it. Yeah. It's called like the fuck it gene. (laughs) (laughs) So your advice to her, I'm sure was like, get an older sister who disappoints your parents first because they really blaze a trail. (laughs) <laughs> they do. They blaze a trail. I'm like, have her pierce her nose, have her move in with a boy before she's married, and have her get all the tattoos. Then you're free and clear, baby. Yeah. Just blazing a trail of disappointment yeah. <laughs> since 1975. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so I do have thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, first, I think actually the difference that she heard between me and Austin is partially that Austin is more emotionally honest than I am. Mm. I am better at articulating, maybe sounding like I'm okay. Whereas if you ask Austin a question, he won't think about how the answer sounds. He will give you an honest, raw answer, which is what you heard. So, you know, the version of myself that people heard in that episode is not untrue. Like that is who I am. But I think I'm also partially because of what I articulated in that episode around how I tend to be focused uh, sometimes, not always in a healthy way on like emotionally regulating other people and the situation that tempers how I express what's going on with me. So I do think part of it is that I have reached a place of acceptance. And like you and I have talked about, um, I have reached more of a place of fuck it with our parents' opinions than Mm. you sometimes have. But sometimes not. I mean, I still, like in the dark of night, like do I still sometimes get emotional? Like, did dad like me? Yes, I do. Like, it's not like that's totally resolved. But in that conversation that we were having in that moment, that is truly what I was feeling. I was feeling at peace in that moment. I hate speaking for Austin, so I won't, I guess, but I just think he's in a more raw place with it. He has a different experience than I had. So that's one thought is I just think this is part of the reason why people are drawn to Austin because he's Mm. really, he's an authentic and deep person. So he doesn't say a lot. He doesn't connect with people a lot, but when he does, it's often really profound in a way that I think he doesn't know. And I think that's what that person felt. Mm-hmm. I know. I love that about him. Uh, honestly, making that episode made me love him even more. And now I want to like call him every day and I call him a lot. And he's like, anything? What's going on? I'm like, just, hey. What's the agenda here? What's, uh, what? Are you recording? I'm not. Maybe I should. I don't know. 
Yeah, every member of our family is now like, wait, are you recording this? I know. I know. I used to call mom from the studio and record her. So the question here is like, how do you reach acceptance when a person is alive? And I do think like, like I said, you just always appeared at least to like have that kind of acceptance. Like, oh, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So the thought I had about the the part of the question that's like, how do you resolve this when the person's alive? I do think you're right. You are oddly at a disadvantage when the person is dead because like, I can't call him. I can't, there's mm. just that, that option isn't there. But I mean, I do have a really recent experience of cutting off a relationship with someone who in some ways was a parental figure, a person that was really important in my life and they're still alive And I don't totally understand what happened and I don't feel like I can or should reach out. So I definitely empathize with this feeling of like, well, how do you resolve it when you could theoretically pick up the phone and call that person, but you don't know if you want to, you don't know if they'll answer, you don't know if you want to hear what they have to say. Mm. And so one of my like focus words for this coming year is acceptance. And I'm really trying to focus on there are some things that I may not understand, but they just are. And my first job is just to accept that they are. And I don't have to understand why they are how they are. I don't have to like how they are what they are, but I just have to like be willing to look at it and say that happened or that is happening and that's real. Mm -hmm. And Even just like sitting with that, like I think in my own life, I sometimes have spent too much time resisting what is. And you can like just lose a lot of energy there. And I think that happens a lot in relationships, right? Like we're just not willing to see like, I think this friendship might be ending. I'm trying to hang on to what was 10 years ago and it's not what is today or whatever example it is. That's what I'm trying to do with this situation that's happening right now is just to say, like, I don't understand it fully. I don't know what I think of them. I don't know what they think of me. Like, there's all of these open questions, but I don't need to answer those right now. I just need to accept that this is. Once I really, truly accept it, then I can figure out what I want to do next. But I can't figure out what I want to do next until I really just sit with, like, okay, that happened. This is. Now what? Yeah. That's very Buddhist of you. In one of Pema Chodron's books, I mean, she's basically just talking about like the tension that we feel that leads to so much of our misery is the tension between what we expected or what we want something to be and just what it is. And I would say that's how I've spent most of my life is just stuck in that tension and just being like, but it should be like this or it could be like this. And I have a lot of really unconventional relationships in my I think that sounded way more sexual than (laughs) than reality I just want you to know like you're making yourself sound way more interesting (laughs) my life is so unsexual (laughs) one of the least sexual lives you've you've ever seen (laughs) just like oh god did not mean it that way that did sound way more interesting but I have a lot of relationships where it's like I mean also part of this too I do think 
there is a connection here also to codependence, which if you are a family member, a loved one, a child of a person who has struggled with substances, it's very easy to have this belief that the way that other people feel or an entire relationship is your responsibility. And so the reactions are your responsibility. Your reactions are your responsibility. Your feelings and their feelings all come down to you. You're responsible for it all. It's such a recipe for misery. And I feel like that's actually where I've spent the majority of my life is believing that the secret to everything is something that I've done or not done. Yeah. Or that the solution is something that you can do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the the solution to whatever is happening is for you to take some action and then it will be fixed. Yes. I think that's right. And like the sort of like emotional regulation thing that I talked about earlier, like really that's it's codependence, right? It's like me feeling like, oh, it's my job to make sure everybody's having a good time. Oh, it's my job to make sure that nobody's mad or whatever. And as I've gotten older, it's gotten easier for me, not easy by any means, but easier for me to accept Ooh, acceptance. There it is again. Mm -hmm. Um, That like not everyone's going to like me. Yeah. I think for a long time in my life, like I just, everybody does, but I just really wanted to be liked. And some people are better at um, not caring as much about that. All right. So that was a preview of uh, this TTFA premium episode. You can get the entire thing and more, all this and more. If you subscribe to TTFA Premium. The way you do that is by going to ttfa.org slash premium. It's a couple bucks a month. It's a way to financially support our show. If you can, we appreciate you. If you can't, I still appreciate you. What a saleswoman I am. Anyways, that's ttfa.org slash premium. See you there.